basically. All right, all right. The Weebix is done here. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> Where do you get them from? Just the shop. We got a Whole Foods, didn't they? Are they? Yeah. They used to be at Trader Joe's, and then they got rid of them down here. So I think they are. They're only in Harris Teeter now. Yeah, I would. Um, Trader Joe's is obviously the the. Uh, I'm central in between four Trader Joe's, none of which are within 20 minutes of me. It's uh, it, it, it's it's bloody annoying. Uh, it sounds about right, honestly. That's the same for us. Our Trader Joe's are all like miles away from us, and they're like few and far between. And the people that are in them drive me insane because they're all. It looks like they're um, Sims because they're yeah. exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, they do. They're all dressed in their sort of like Hawaiian shirt or whatever. Um, but it's a good store. I tell you what, they're uh, they're frozen. I don't eat frozen food typically, but their frozen food is actually legitimately good. It's really uh, good. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. They've always, always got some good snack. What is, is this a food? I don't know what this podcast is anymore. Their, Indian, their Indian food is very good. Yeah, I've got you tried, some of the like, their yeah. frozen Indian food is like yeah. very solid. Don't sleep on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the first thing. Let's talk about episode 160. Welcome. Uh, I'm just putting out a tweet now so everybody knows that we're online. Um, and before we even get into the games themselves, let's talk about the the man who who sat behind the Albion other goalkeepers for about 8,000 years and has eventually moved on. Uh, Christian Walton, we appreciate your service. Uh, but away to Ipswich he goes. Felt like he was a little bit hard done by a couple of years ago because it seemed that he was definitely going to get that number two spot behind Ryan, got himself hurt, and then Sanchez came in and just took everyone's role away from them and became the number one goalkeeper. It was strange, wasn't it? I think there was, there was a pre-season as well where he obviously got the nod and, yeah, did something terrible, Was spent a few months out and was never seen again. So, unfortunate, but... Again, eight years spent on loan and stuff like that. I think it's more of a relief that he's found a permanent switch. Um, it's a sort of parallel to that. Do, uh, do you think at this point, I know we've not seen a lot out of him and it sounds like he's about to go on loan, but Sherpin looks the part, doesn't he? Like He, he looks like a goalkeeper. It's a shame <laughs> if he did anything else. Um, he's obviously got that sort of Ajax pedigree. Would you say this is... This is up there with the best sort of backup and starting goalkeeper. Uh, it's a very strong setup. And we've even got, you know, still came in for that game, a couple of games, and he actually looked pretty impressive. Like, we've got a decent keeper room, um, which is nice. So it makes sense that, yeah. That's not even including Rushworth and McGill, who both have seemed to be well regarded, um, that haven't even began to feature for us. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we can't get a deal over the line soon. I suspect that Sherpin will play against Spurs next week. It seems like a pretty obvious thing to do at this point. I'd rather have him than Steele as well. Even if we do, like whack out like a last minute loan deal for Sherpin, I would probably like him to get the start this time next week for the FA Cup game. Mm. Yeah, th- throw him in against Harold. See what see what he can do. Um, I'll be surprised if Hazard starts to be honest I'll be surprised if it's not uh, half reserve half first team 11 you're going to see a lot of rotation I think 
we'll see. Uh, it's Conte, isn't it? So he's always on full blast. He's true, but maybe, maybe. But we should, we, we should probably. I mean, we're probably going to get onto the fact that we just uh, didn't lose against Chelsea and Leicester. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, uh, so let's move on to <laughs> to teams that are doing really well uh, outside of expectation. Uh, and USG are currently winning 1-0 um, at home to Genk. Uh, Going to put them six points clear with a game in hand. Um, unbelievable. Tony Bloom masterclass. Uh, yeah. Wasn't a masterclass today from Graham Potter because he is out with COVID. Uh, so step forward, Bjorn Hamburg after poor old Billy Reed almost had his time to shine and then got sick as well. Um, I'm hoping this is going to be the last of our major COVID outbreak now, lads. Do you like because I feel like we had a bunch of them around Christmas, and I think we've seemed to have got a bit of a rebound here with Potter and a couple of others that have popped out. Do you think this is going to be the back end now of this stuff for the Albion at least? Because, you know, when United went down a couple of weeks ago, you figured, all right, they're definitely going to be all right going forward for a while because every single one of their squad caught it <laughs> over Christmas. I, I, I'm hoping that this is probably the last of it now for us. I hope, I hope so. Um, I mean, you never really know, do you? Um, everyone keeps quiet on the, the vaccinated front as well. We don't know who is and who isn't or what people are thinking. So, you know, we can hope for the best, obviously, having it before sort of gives you a bit <laughs> a bit of time between the, the next wave should we say so um i mean yeah it was it was weird not to see potter there today um but i thought we'll, we'll get into it but uh yeah very strange yeah who knows oh, oh everyone's been we've been calling the end to this the the circus of everything um for months of the pandemic and everyone said it's gone and it's back and it's gone and it's back so i'm not i'm not counting anything i i, I I fully expect there to be some sort of random whatever the next Greek alphabet letter is going to be and we'll see what happens. But I don't know how much all the sort of UK government policies and and removal of the plan B or whatever it is will impact the sort of FA's decision-making process as well. Because if you sort of remove all of the guidance and restrictions from the general public, but then have really tight restrictions on on, on the, you know, the Premier League, sort of a weird double standard. So I, who knows? Point being is that hopefully, yes, we're at the tail end of seeing it for this for our club, regardless of how it all plays out from a policy standpoint. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, so Albion coming to this on a bit of a run of form, actually. Uh, since Boxing Day, we've gone win, draw, win, win, draw, draw, draw now. Um, the draw specialist record is well and truly on. So we draw when we want. 17 is the record uh, for a 38-game season. And we are well in there. 12, we're at 12. We now, are right? at 12 already. Uh, we need five more to match the record uh, from what, like th- th- 16 games or something like that. We are well in with a shot here of, of matching that record at least. Um, we've got three 1 1 draws back to back. We've already covered the Palace, uh, but we do have Chelsea and Leicester to cover. Um, I'm not sure where to start here because we played a pretty consistent squad, simply rotated. Uh, it was much the same core group of players over both. Uh, so there's not really much point in talking about the rotations that we made. But let's talk about Chelsea first of all. Obviously, um, they were 
obviously coming into this on a bit of an odd streak uh, because Tuchel is a bit of a meltdown artist lately. Um, very upset with how tired they all are. Very upset with the fact that he can't field what he believes is a good side. Um, so he was forced to put out uh, Romelu Lukaku, Mount, Ziyech, Kante, Jorginho, uh, you know, Aspia Cueta, um, Rudiger, and Thiago Silva, and, and was just... I can't. I don't understand how you can really get by when you're having to bring on Kovacic, uh, Havertz, and Timo Werner from the bench. It's it's a tough time um, for the London side, but you know I thought they did all right uh, against a team that were clearly in the ascendancy in every shape and form. Um, how did we feel about the the way we set up against that Chelsea side? Pascal Gross in the side obviously was one of the ones that everybody was quite worried about, um, and you know, how we felt going up against such a weak and tired Chelsea side. <laughs> Just got to feel, you have to feel for them, don't you? Um, it's it's when you've got these down on, down on their luck, small teams that are just trying to get by and trying to survive. Um, and you just, you just feel for them in the, their sort of hour of need. Um, I, so we played, we, we kind of played slightly tweaked tactics, didn't we? Because I remember, and I'm looking back on my notes from the game, um, we started with just an insanely high press for one. Um, but I also, I don't know if you, everyone saw this, but it felt like Modu was playing up front for a good 20 minutes. Um, and I'm not quite sure why, but it sort of worked. And and outside of their chance, when <laughs> my note from there was, was goal, shit, Ziyech from nothing. Um, so because it was like they, they had not they, they'd done nothing, it was all us. We had all the pressure. I think there was a Lamptey was went down in the box early on, and there was a penalty shout. We had Lamptey doing some amazing running as well. Everything that I've got written down here, apart from my memory, was just Lamptey just running the show because obviously he's he looked at this game on the calendar, he's fit, and he goes, I'm, I'm gonna prove a point here. Um, and you saw that, uh, so it was. It was an int- a very interesting, it was a very Brighton start in that we were all over them and then we just conceded uh, a goal against the run of play, which shockingly, you know, had parallels to what happened today as well. It was the, also with Morpe and Trossard on the bench as well. I, I, looked yeah. at the, I looked at the lineup before the game and I was like, okay, well, I, this will be interesting, you know, Potter masterclass. Um, but yeah, I think it was overcrowding the midfield, really high press, allowing the wing backs to do what they want um, against the very bare bones Chelsea side. So it was, yeah, it was a decent, a decent start. And like we, we ran the entire game and we get hit by, like you said, a, a shit goal. Um, but yeah. again, this, this team doesn't know when it's beaten, does it? We've, we've seen that twice this week already. Because Sanchez have done better. I think you probably could have. Yeah. <sighs> sure. Yeah, it's so hard to say, isn't it? The keeper's always going to be annoyed at the near post, aren't they? Um, but and he did get a heavy touch on it. I think it just it just bounced in front of him. It's one of those. He he makes a lot of really good saves, so I think we, could have, we can probably afford this one. Did, yeah. Have we played the kind of? Uh, and I'm trying to recall when I look back and think about some of the other games we've played. Have we have we played that same tactical lineup? Because we we were almost playing like because with Alzate coming into the team, it opened up some in, additional options, especially given that, as you say, the drop in Trossard and and uh, and Mope. It was a slightly bizarre set of players that we had that we otherwise haven't really 
played with this year. It, it felt like we were playing a sort of like a sort of like a bank of four one and then four one ish, or it it was a weird setup. Yeah, a four one four one, but the one was Moda because <laughs> yeah. well, 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 Beck was out on the left. So, um, it, I mean, whatever it was, it worked because that press stopped Chelsea from doing anything. Yeah, it was it was another thing that I I think I said this in the chat at the time. Um, if we are going to persist with Pascal Gross, and I thought that today complemented it perfectly. Um, if we are going to play him. If you look at his heat map for Chelsea, it was pretty much solely that final third. Um, if you are going to be playing Pascal Gross going forward as a you know a long term prospect, I think that's where you're going to have to play him. The, the Chris Hutton style, like almost false nine level of forward play midfielder. Um, he looked quite decent, quite effective uh, against Chelsea, especially when he was partnered with. Lamptey next to him, uh, Moda making all those forward runs, Welbeck and McAllister as well. Um, as opposed to today, again, he looked he looked very off the pace for large large parts of that entire game, really, until we conceded and were allowed to pile the pressure on him to kind of camp out in their half, and that's kind of where he's able to do a lot of damage, um, or at least look possible. Um, Welbeck was a little bit wasted on the left, don't you think? Based on what we just saw against Leicester, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think he, by far and away for me, he's he's our best striker, um, and I don't really mean that as a disrespect to Mope because I think again we saw, and I know we're mixing between the two games here, but that's just going to happen. You saw against Leicester with that ball that he played in Mope, and some of the touches that he makes and flicks and feints and things like that. I don't actually know how much of a real out-and-out striker Mope appears. To. He's, he's got that sort of Harry Kane element to him in, in the sense that if you feel like if he dropped back a little bit, Mope could be a pretty good player in, in a more sort of, you know, central attacking midfield position. But Welbeck has got that clinical edge that it when, you, when he takes a shot, when he gets into positions, when he makes runs, he rarely ever does anything wrong. It, there's... He, if he's taking a shot, you're like, that's going to be close. The keeper's going to have to make a save. I don't feel like that for anyone else in this team. Yeah, it's just that ability, isn't it? Um, and he's he's almost become a meme in the wider sphere of football in, in terms of what he's been able to do at other clubs. But I think you're, you're spot on. I think he's easily the most clinical striker that, that we have. And I... Uh, We've we've spoken about this before in in terms of if you want a one on one drop to someone who is who who do you want it to be, and you're not going to choose Mope over Welbeck. Um, and again, there's no discredit to Mope there in in what he does. He's an amazing. I, I don't want to again. This is no. I love Mope, but in terms of a second striker being able to complement another person up top, he would be unbelievable. And and you see that with his connections to to Trossard and to Welbeck, like we saw today. Yep. I think I would rather have Mope than Welbeck in a one-on-one, though. I do. No. Looking back at the the Crystal Palace chip, the Southampton equaliser, the goal against Watford, I think I would rather have him as a one-on-one. Just so your, bra- your brain is defending yourself in the sense that you've blocked out all of the easy chances Mope has had in the past. They just shanks him. <laughs> and he's, he's a memory maker. That's his problem. He scores the important, amazing goals that you shouldn't. And then, but an actual sort of a one-on-one chance in the thirty-second minute of a game, 
I want World Bank. Mopay's going to just sky it. I'm sorry. In in my defence on my side <laughs> of the argument, Welbeck did have a superb opportunity where he simply didn't hit the ball against Chelsea. Well, yes, true. Uh, yeah, that's fair. and that's and that's probably why Welbeck's with us and not higher up, right? Like I think we've said that quite a lot with Welbeck is that if he was if he was fitter and more consistent, he wouldn't be anywhere near us. Um, but he is, so we we take those. Uh, yeah. And, Two things I do want to touch on, both on the exact same theme, uh, and we can merge them into Leicester as well, actually. Uh, we looked like a very different side against this Chelsea one month later at set pieces. We looked, for the most part, mm-hmm. a lot better. Um, and actually, we went ahead and scored a superbly worked set piece to equalise. Um, the entire thing looks... Again at Leicester, we looked uh, very good again. We should well, if it wasn't for Tielemans, we'd scored the winner. Uh, Dan Byrne had scored the winner um, from that one that was cleared off the line. And I know Leicester are notoriously poor at defending set pieces, as is. I think they're the second worst in the league behind Palace. But we looked a lot better in general across all set pieces uh, at both ends of the pitch, I thought, all week. Um, and I think Adam, you may have pointed it out about Pascal Gross against Palace, uh, but it happened again here. He wasn't even the default set piece taker. Uh, nope. took plenty of them. So, again, I thought, and he was obviously the one who popped that ball onto Webster for the goal against Chelsea. But I, I've been really impressed with with our sudden growth out of nowhere over the last two weeks of being able to defend and attack set pieces in general. Uh, mm-hmm. Mac has obviously been the difference on on the offensive side uh even so we obviously they had the webster just the, the bullet the rifle shot of a header you felt it as it went in uh and then today as, as you as you mentioned as well burn almost like heads into the left corner uh and if it wasn't for telemans just sort of body being there uh that's that's another one um it goes back to what we talked about after the palace game which is if Gross isn't, if he's missing penalties, if he's not taking corners and he's not taking free kicks, mm, does he offer enough to the team? Uh, I don't think he does. I, I think if um, he sees out the remainder of this season, we talked about the contract situation, but you've got, Moise, uh, you've got Casado on the bench. We've obviously got Lalana who was on the bench today as well, who's coming back from a knock. Um, I just I just think he's he is a backup. He's a, ch- a fresh pair of legs that comes in um when you're in a you know thick set of run of games uh but he's not he's just not there for me anymore i just don't think he adds enough uh and the, the, the biggest indictment of him after the palace game and he did one today is he only did one gross turn um it, it, today's game he did none against palace and it i think that's today though wasn't it it, it was, was a good one today. Absolutely ruined him. But that's the more if he's the, his his performance is com- is completely correlated with the number of, of Cruyff turns that he does uh, <laughs> in my mind. So you know if he does none, he's, he's playing terribly. We've also got to remember <laughs> Noam Wepu or Pesuma too. Um, yes. Yep. So I think I think at this point with Alzate back, especially, yeah. I think there's no way Gross makes that start in eleven in almost any situation with a full fit side. Like you said, Lalana, Mwepu, Bisuma, uh, Moda, um, Alzate. Hey, does he make the bench if everyone's fit? 
if there's one you want to drop out of that list, it's probably not him. And we haven't even said Kaiser. Well, I haven't even said Kaiser's name. Like he's not even on that list. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a segue away from the, the the gross talk, which we tend to get into a lot, is um, just Alzate coming in for 90 minutes against Chelsea um, and being incredible. Um, fairly, I say innocuous, but that's what you want from that sort of position on the field. Um, he was capable, came in, did a job. It was the depth that we have in that centre midfield is so large that you can have Alzati just come in, play 90 minutes and, and play out of the skin like he did. Um, very similar today. I thought he was good today, but against Chelsea, I, I thought he was excellent. Yeah. He really was. It's it's astounding, really, how how easily he slotted in as if he'd never been missing. Um, he, he did a great job defensively. He, he was super economical on the ball, at least against Chelsea. Um, he was probably our most economic. He was our most economical on the ball um, for the most part against Leicester, which I thought was one of our biggest problems today was keeping a hold of the ball in those tight spaces, which is unlike us. Um, but let's talk about two others as well, because Alzate is worth the mention, but two 90-minute men uh, over the course of these two games, Alexis McAllister and Jakob Moda, are, despite the fact that Moda is a bit of a, a Mr. Target merchant <laughs> when it comes to shots on goal. Um, they're both becoming almost immediate names on the team sheet, aren't they? Two of them both played full 90-minute games against Chelsea and Leicester in a, a four-day period, five-day period. Um, McAllister came out of both games with the highest pass accuracy and was plenty high up the pitch too. Um, it's not like he was you know, an Adam Webster recycling the ball around the back. Um he got the assist for Webster and, and generally looked pretty decent today against Leicester as well. Uh, both of those midfielders are, what, a combined age of like 44. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable for, for the, the growth those two are showing. With with McAllister on, the, on pretty much every set piece now as well, you've got to think he's one of the first names on that team sheet. Um, just with the I guess the, the crosses and the balls he's been able to put in. Um, as for Moda, I mean, yeah, some some target practice aside, I think he brings so much with his clever runs and his interlink with with other players. Um, we always talk about um, bedding in these players and an amount of time to become familiar with the way that we play. Um, you're now getting to that point one and a half seasons in for for both just to say, you know, okay, this is how Brighton play and this is how we're going to do things. Um, considering how young they are as well, uh, it's a pretty formidable pairing that, that we saw at the start of this season just be impact subs uh, and now really making a name for themselves. I'm trying to think who, you, uh, who we start in in a full-strength grouping in that midfield and, and when you factor in the forwards as well because uh, yeah, he's the same you can say the same about the defense right and the commentator even said this normally i think we'd have probably like thrown dunk right back into that team if we could today but we don't need to like you can't drop webster after the game he played against chelsea not as good today a couple of really shocking passes in fact um pretty much led to the first goal this first one um and uh and then burn has obviously been uh, much to my surprise, obviously, he's been fantastic over the course of, well, at this point, half a season, he's been incredible. Um, but that I, I would love to see, obviously, Basuma sat back. 
I think you obviously you you have Lalana in there. We've said this before. You start Lalana when he's not injured. He's that level of class. He's 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 our midfield Welbeck in my mind. You know, right? A player that can play at the upper echelons. If it wasn't for the fact that he was so injured throughout his career, um, and then I think you have Modron McAllister. I think that's your four. If, we, if we're going to get get into this sort of diamond play style, we play with this this four in the middle diamond shape. I'd love to see those four players. But then you've only got the two spots up front. And only four spots at the back. Now, two spots up front, we've already talked about. Do, Mope and Trossard, can, do you drop them like you did before? Because then you're dropping, where does Welbeck slot in? We've just talked about Welbeck and his importance to the team. And then the back four, well, okay, who do you drop out of the central defence? Do you drop Burn or Webster to play Dunn? Do you drop Veltman all the time to play Lamptey? Like, But this, these are good problems. I think about how much switching around that we can do for fresh legs now that we have this group of players when... when Hopefully they're not all injured or international duty. And we're going to need it, right? Because we do have plenty of fixtures still to play. Yeah. We've got what Spurs, because uh, Chelsea was one of the makeups games, wasn't it? So we've got Spurs and Manchester United to make up as well. Um, you know, I don't believe it's likely, but if we beat Spurs, the cup run is still going. That, that rotation is going to be more important than ever. Um, yep. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, Again, I don't think it's likely at all, but one big bid from Basuma comes in and he, he signals he's probably not going to sign a contract if we don't take that bid. You know what I mean? I, I've heard you know reports saying there's 30 million been thrown around. We're not going to take that. But if someone comes in with a 50 million bid on January 29th, again, like that depth is going to be important. Then you've got Caicedo's name being popped up come March, April when he's had some time to get acclimated. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of names in there. Um, that, ironically enough, the only one we don't again, you said keeper, right? We were just saying keeper, Sherpin, you've got McGill and Rushworth and Steele all at the back there. The only one we don't really have as the out and out strikers is, is, is that list of names you've really just got. I do, we, we can almost replace every position on the pitch except for left back for me. I think if Cuckoo went down, <laughs> I don't love that. Um, but. <laughs> We've, for me, we've just played. I'm looking at the fixture list in every game that we've played. In terms of a three-game patch in the Premier League, for me, this was our hardest three-game patch that we have played and that we will play. Yes, you're going to play Man Cities, which are quote unquote better teams and harder fixtures. But your your Palace game, Chelsea, and then Leicester. And for me, Chelsea, Leicester rather, are set up as a team. If I designed a team to beat Brighton and make up for our deficiencies, it's Leicester. Uh, f- super fast counter-attacking team with some creative qualities and crap at the back, but typically doesn't really matter because we're crap at scoring most times. That's the team I create. So we did all that without Basuma, uh, our best player. We didn't drop, we didn't lose a game against our potentially hardest three-game stretch in the league. So, yeah, you're right. Even if a bid does come in, and I think they're tempted, if, if it goes north of 40 million and Basum is interested in looking at his contract, I think they're very interested. It just depends if Stevie G can convince the upper echelons of villain management potentially, because that's the heaviest rumours, even though I think it'd be a bad move for him. It's... Do you, do you think that this period of us actually doing really well without Basuma is actually going to maybe influence the acceptance? You, you reckon we would take lower because we know that we can actually grind out results without him? I don't think so. I think if, I think if anything, 
especially if I'm Basuma, an elite level athlete at his age, if I'm Basuma, I'm probably thinking what they're doing without me, I can take them further. I'm, I'm the guy, whether it's right or not, but that's what, I, if I'm Basuma, that's how I would feel. I yeah. look at what they're doing without me, put me in there and I'll take them even further. And that further at that point, like you look at the table now and you think like, okay, if he really believes that, like that further is like nosebleed territory we really shouldn't be in. So <laughs> at, that point, at that point, does he think like, yeah, I will sign an extension or is more amenable to an extension because he believes in his own ability? Because a lot of these elite athletes really truly do believe what they're putting out there. Um, and he comes across as one of those that probably would. Yeah. Um. I, I agree. I agree with the fact that yeah, he's probably galvanized to come in even more. So I've I'm laughing at a tweet that I've just seen <laughs> come up. And this is gonna be different difficult people listening on the pod, but um it's we'll, we'll have to retweet it on the account. It, it's Graham Potter when he did that night out sleeping rough, uh, with this the phone next to him and it just said <laughs> It just says, just make sure it's a draw, yeah? And then the response is, one, one, okay, question marks. You say, yeah, great, thanks. Wonderful tweet, wonderful content. <laughs> um, i tell you one thing I will put out there as well, because this is something I just saw from the EPL fanzine. Um, last season, I remember, because it was one of the things I was posting about um, or spoke about on the podcast before, we were poor finishes at the end of games generally when it got to the end of a game we were not great at basically it was very easy for other teams to see out results against us and that was where those losses were were pushed in instead of draws um we have seen a total change this year uh our last six 1-1 draws in the premier league our goals came in the 89th the 97th the 91st the 87th the 60th and the 82nd that is uh a massive change from our first two seasons under Potter, where we were very early scorers and, and generally not scoring very much at all late on. I think it was a there was a really good Reddit thread at the end of last year where they had, you know, like the bar graph on like average time of goals scored and all the teams, and that seventy-five to ninety was incredibly low for the Albion, and we seem to have turned that totally on its head uh, this season. Do we think that's a fitness thing? Um, or do we think that's just a, a genuine belief thing from the players when it comes to working under Potter or a bit of both? <laughs> a bit of both. I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy as well at some point. I don't know what you think, Craig, but like for me, it's if you do it a few times, then you just believe you do it again and again and again and again. And it, and it, it, it recreates itself because they never get into a position where they're in the 80th, 90th minute and go, we can't score here because we've done it. We've done it three, four, five times before. I think, yeah, I, it jump starts that belief when it happens once or twice. Um, you, you start getting one or two late ones, Morpé shows up and does his thing. And all of a sudden, there is that self-actualized belief that actually this game isn't over yet and we can get something from this because we keep doing it. So, yeah, it's, it's almost forced it into <laughs> into truth um, where we're now starting to see a trend. I think, yeah, this this team just doesn't give up. I don't think it's a, an attitude change. I think there's just a bit, a bit of fortune around getting those goals when we are. Um, I don't know if it's a if it's a pattern or a trend or uh, whether that's just the way that we're sort of playing. That we, we've spoken about slow starts this season as well. Um, but you know, if you if you start slow, maybe there's more energy at the end. I'm not I'm not 
not a professional football player of any kind. So it's it's more around, okay, where is that coming from physically? But mentally, I reckon they've just forced it into a belief. Do you think it's in the opposition's heads now too? Maybe not early on, right? Like the first couple, probably not. But for the Leicester team today, do you reckon that's in their heads too? Knowing that they've got that one goal? And if I, yeah, I think so. If, if you're Brendan Rodgers, you'd, you'd be silly not to say something to the team, to say these guys go until the 100th minute. So just pay attention. Um, I, I don't see why anyone or any manager would not realise that these goals are clearly coming at the end. So, you know, keep your head screwed on. Well, we do have to remember that Leicester just pulled off the spursiest of Spurs results <laughs> against Spurs a few days back where I don't, I, I still don't understand how they managed to do what they did. Um, so to say that this, th- that team could be asleep at the wheel is, is, you know, you would almost expect them to concede late after, after doing that, just to complete, I don't know what's happened to Leicester. I, I know, because in in some ways, Chelsea and Leicester are really off the pace at the moment. You can blame whatever you want, but they just are. Um, so I know that we've gone. We've just talked about how it's impressive that we've we've not lost and all that type of thing. But I walk away from both of these games going, we could have won these games. I remember during the Chelsea games tweeting out, "We are out. We're outplaying Chelsea Football Club, the Champions League holders. Uh, we are outplaying Leicester for most of this game, and we should have." I mean, I, Welbeck was trying fucking overhead, excuse my language, overhead <laughs> kicks in the 89th minute. Like, we, we, there's confidence. And I, I think we should have potentially walked away from this set of games with with maybe, you know, five points rather than three at least. Two excellent um, saves from Schmeichel too. Yeah. One off of yeah. Welbeck's header and one off of Trossard, absolute thunderbolt that was excellently saved at the near post. That's, that's world class. I, it, it didn't look like it, but... Mm-hmm. I, Leandro's hit that so hard and to be able to get down that quick and that you're near post as well. Um, yeah, I I think you're right. We, we sat here last week and we said, oh, if we get one point from these two games, we'll be happy. Um, it's strange how these two games play out and we're disappointed that we drew them. Um, for the most part, I'm, I'm still going to take it, obviously, but oh yeah, they, they, there have been very clear cut that we could have won both of these games and no one would have denied us those three points either. We now, and we're not done talking about these, obviously, but these next four that we have, if you're saying that we're kind of not fully rent-free, but a little bit rent-free in these teams' heads in terms of getting late goals, um, we've got a week's rest for for a lot of the team for Spurs. Um, I suspect you'll see a lot of those players. Your McAllisters and Motors especially probably won't get a run out (laughs) against Spurs after playing two 90-minute games uh, this last week. Um, But you've got a lot of teams uh, coming up. Like you said, tasty. Uh, you know, you've got what Watford, um, Burnley, Villa, and Newcastle all back to back. They are, you know, that their weaknesses. If you go on whoscored.com, their weaknesses almost to a team is protecting a lead and defending in general, defending against skillful players, defending against long shots, avoiding individual errors. This is Villa included, by the way. You know, every single one of them protecting the lead, Newcastle, very weak. This is the, These are all four teams that... I said today, I tweeted, I text you both, that there's blood in the water here, away at Leicester in the 85th minute. And I think we all saw that, especially for Chelsea. It was one of those ones where, like, holy shit, we could turn this and take this away from them as well. Um, with these games coming up, to me, 
which is really rare for us, I think, as Brighton fans, they're going to need to be three or four nil up before I think that we're even slightly written off for these next four coming up. Yeah, in before we lose two of them. Uh, yeah, it's all one nil. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I think with all respect to statistics and who scored, I, I, I'll tell you what my statistics are. Villa excluded, Watford, Burnley, and Newcastle's weaknesses are their shit football teams. Um, like they are, these are bad teams. Um, Watford just lost three nil to Norwich. Uh, that is for me, that's the nail in the coffin of their season. They had that sort of comeback against Newcastle where they equalized. Um, and you felt, or maybe the Ranieri magic is in, and everyone forgets that Ranieri has been a terrible manager for about six years now at this point. Um, Watford are done for me. So we'll see if they can save face a little bit. Burnley, what great to play them at the moment. I know they just, got a draw against Arsenal, but um, they've got 400 games in hand that they've got to play. Then they do not have a massive amount of squad depth. It's not like you fear their strike force now. Their, their one decent player is, is is Chris Wood up front, who now plays for Newcastle. Villa, I'm concerned about. They feel very, very galvanised as a team, especially if they make one more signing before the end of the window. Um they're, they're, they're an impressive set of individuals that feels like Steven Gerrard has managed to get to really believe themselves. And I'm a little jealous of their sort of uh, wealth up front um, because you talk, Josh, you've talked about this a lot. We are missing that supplement, like big man up front. And they've got two of them and they can't play them both at the same time. Like give us Ings or Watkins, just like <laughs> give us 45 million and, <laughs> someone for for a basuma but like that's th- that then you wouldn't walk away from that deal feeling terrible would you but yeah th- these are bad football teams uh, the reason i'm slightly concerned is we tend to play very well against teams that obviously come and bring their game to us which we've seen in our results we've seen this for a couple of years at this point and watford are going to attack which is good for us because they're terrible at the back burnley are going to sit i worry about that game if we can break them down um so we'll see, and we'll see what Newcastle do with. I don't know what they, we've got a week, and then they're off to Riyadh to go on vacation and 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 impress their sort of new Saudi fan base. So we'll see if they they feel propelled in the league after some sun. They're gonna they're gonna have to sp- spend some, aren't they, this week? Because so far Trippier Tri- and Chris Wood is not going to cut it. Um, they're trying, they're trying hard. It they seems are trying desperately, uh, but teams are turning them down. Yeah, they're, they're turning them down. Um, this is January is never an easy time to do deals ever. Never has been. It's never been. It's not going to be any better in a pandemic where you're getting fixture postponements all over the place and you need that depth. Um, you know, I'm leaning more towards what Adam said a couple of months ago that Newcastle will probably be safe now. They've had the buyout simply because there's three teams worse and they'll probably have enough to see them through. And I think he's probably right with just how far off a cliff Watford have fell. I, I didn't expect them to fall as dramatically. Although, as you say, Ranieri has been shite for a long time and quite how he continues to get manager jobs is, is beyond me. Well, I also don't feel bad that they've fallen off because, uh, like you, I, I, I've captained Emmanuel Dennis, my fantasy team, the last couple of weeks <laughs> with his double game week and he just got sent off. Like, I'm not. They can go down for all I care. I'm sick of them. Yeah. Adam's made it personal now. So. Yeah, it truly is personal. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, touching on what you guys said as well is when you come up against good teams, we tend to play to the level that we can. Um, and if people and if teams go ahead and try and play their game against us, that's where we shine because we can outperform them in that way. When we come up against these teams that will deliberately try to stifle the way that we play and be a very reactionary 90 minutes, um, we tend to struggle to break these teams down when they're just simply not interested um, in, in partaking in a, a tete-on-tete. So it, it's going to be tough. In Like Adam said, the Burnley game, the Newcastle game and Watford, I think will be okay. But when we come up against the Burnleys and the, the Norwiches, I think... We, we're going to see a bit of a struggle there. Um, I just hope that we're able to play our own game and be able to force a way through. Um, that we'll see. That's the main performance indicator for me last season. Based on this season, is is being able to break down these teams and get results from these. Um, it's all well and good that we we picking up a lot of draws from from the other teams in and around us now. Um, but we do need to beat those teams in order to progress. Uh, so it will be an interesting couple of games. You guess Eddie Howe will probably have a more attacking outset too, because that's just Eddie Howe. Yeah, so yeah, I think so. Bruce Bruce Ball would have been tougher, simply, <laughs> uh, yeah. just because they will sit back. Um, let's talk touch on man of the matches um, for the Chelsea game itself. Uh, I can't go anywhere further than Adam Webster for me. Um, clear man of the match for me. He was just an absolute monster at everything he was asked to do. Um, he dominated defensively. Uh, he dominated from set pieces, uh, which is a long time since we've seen him do that. Uh, and uh, some of the forward runs he was making was just absolutely outrageous. It was it was vintage Webster, is what it was. It was the Webster that we've we've been missing for a while, um, and he seemed at peak performance on Tuesday. I thought he was just ten out of ten. I thought he was excellent. Can't really look past it. As he turned Kai Havertz inside out as well. That was a particular highlight. Oh, yeah, the that's good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really look anywhere else apart from, a, like I said, a special mention to Alzate who slot in after not a lot of game time and was able to just be very economical, like Josh said. Um, but it, it has to be Webster in, in what he was doing. It, it's Webster, but as you say, there was, there was a host of players, like a tier down of, of a performance from him. Uh, McAllister, Kukureya, Lamptey, um, names that we're sort of getting used to saying fairly often at this point. But yeah, at Webster, it was one of those games where you've got a player that, um, and Salisu, if you watch the Southampton game, Salisu, the Southampton game yesterday, similar type of situation where they get a few little wins, little tackles, interceptions in, and then it just feels like that's all that, then that, that no one's getting by them. And that was the game Webster had. But what we said earlier in the season, if you cast your minds way back to that game against Watford, uh, where, where Adam Webster was our most attacking threat on the pitch, it felt like he was just running up constantly and just abusing that right side. And we said when he went out injured, we're going to miss Adam Webster because he gives us another player, another body that can really drive forward and create more in a similar, and I know people will laugh at this, but a similar vein to how sort of Harry Maguire used to do and still does when he marauds forward and, and creates more opportunities, creates more space for other players. So not only is he this incredible defensive piece, but offensively, he does a really good job as well. Disappointing today against Leicester, but we're talking about the Chelsea game. Let's touch on the Chelsea game then, uh, the Leicester game rather. Um, yeah, Webster certainly isn't on that short list of man of the match for me. Um, 
this one's a bit tougher, actually. Uh, so, Craig, I'll defer to you, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Who are you? Uh, who are you throwing out there as your your man of the match today um, with with the King Power trip? It is a tough one. I think you look to Lamptey, even though he was on for thirty minutes. Um, I think he he very much changed the way that we were playing and and brought a lot to that right side and also freed up the midfield because they were so preoccupied with him on the right. Um, I thought Trossard and his like intricacies with his feet as well was was creating. Um, had a chance at the end there. I mean, it's a, a world class save, but um, just the natural link up play that Trossard has with Kukurea and and has with other other players. He's a constant threat. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a Trossard fanboy at heart anyway. But it it does feel like Lamptey to me because he did change the game when he came on, and and that's what I'm looking at. Um, like you said, it's a very hard choice. Uh, so I can't imagine that we're all going to agree. Uh, it's Welbeck. It's 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 well, eh? um, He so much when he came on. I, those when those two subs were, were, you know, warming up, taking off their track seats on the sideline. Welbeck and Lamptey. You just felt like God. I, I, those are the two players I want coming onto the pitch in this situation. And my word, were they the right players to come onto the pitch? So it turns out we don't even need Potter. We don't need Billy Reed. Just any old bloke off the street. Just bring on some some change of pace and uh, bring on those guys and it will make a difference. Um, but yeah, I think everyone else, there was a lot of inconsistency in this game in that there were flashes from different players and then some really disappointing situations. Like Trossard was very good early on. Some amazing touches, weaving runs, like, some really top sale stuff and like Trossard does, he sort of then disappeared for about half an hour. Um, and then the same with a few of the others with, with Mope, like sometimes he looked like a genius with these little sort of jukes and um, dummies and fates. And then he would just clock a pass into a Leicester body for no reason or shank a shot or do something terrible. So yeah, for me, I know he's on pitch for a little bit, but same as you. Yeah. It's um short, short showcase of talent from Welbeck for me. Yeah, my shortlist was much the same, really. Um, Mope was on that list. Uh, but the big thing I had next to my notes was feet like concrete blocks. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that second half, he looked, you know, he was excellent. That first half, I felt like every single ball that came into his feet, the touch he took, put it like three yards in front yep. of it. Yep. Uh, infuriating. Uh, Kukurea was on that list for me just because he is so good at just about everything he does. But there was two passes in that first half that we almost conceded from. Yep. Um, so I can't put him on there. Uh, so I'm going very low hanging fruit in the fact that he scored the equalizer and Danny Welbeck as well. Um, that's really the only reason. Um, if Tarek Lamptey had got the assist, probably Lamptey would have edged it because he had, a, I think he had a bigger impact on the game overall, but the low hanging fruit is the goal. And, I don't think either of you are wrong, really. Um, I think the subs is what may change the game. Um, and, yeah, that's where I'm going with it as well. Danny Welbeck, though, for me, he's becoming one of those players I'd rather see come on as a sub almost um, if you're going to play him more centrally. Uh, I don't want to see him on the left really much at all. If we, if we No. It, not, with, not with today's showcase and what we saw at Chelsea being what it was. <laughs> I thought it was he was quite poor and then today he came on and was excellent yeah the, the, and the tactics that we play that little diamond that we talked about before that we played against Palace and then have now played against Leicester suits him 
more because he gets uh, he doesn't have to drift out wide. He gets a more central position. He gets this grouping of players from the midfield opening up channels for him. Um, yeah, I, yeah, you just when you look back when you look at his sort of performances and scoring record, he scored some very important goals for us this season. And then you just see this big patch of red where he's out with a hamstring injury, and that's just that's just him. That's just him. It's such a shame. It's uh, it's yeah, it is one of those things, um, and that's why I don't think you know everyone's saying get him signed on for another year. Like that's fine, but he isn't he isn't a long term striker option. He shouldn't be that consistent option as an alternative up front because you just can't rely on him to stay fit in in any way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, like so big games coming up post Spurs. Um, I I think we're going to see a full mix. At Spurs, I think you probably if Sherpen stays, I think you'll see Sherpen play, even if he goes out shortly afterwards. I think Dunk will probably start, Lalana will probably start. I would like to see Caicedo, but I'm not sure we will. I think most of the subs that came on today, you may see some kind of uh performance from Solly March. Pascal Gross, I think, will start. Um Danny Welbeck wouldn't shock me if he played as well. Kind of players like that, your rotation players, um, and you know, you're gonna get that list of players that are depth. To me, Moda, McAllister, Trossard and or Mope, one of those two, uh, maybe they'll do a bit of a mix and match. I think you'll see that a lot of those players get rested entirely. I I would be shocked if I wouldn't be shocked if Moda or Maka, one of the two isn't even in the watch, uh, just to give them a rest. I'm I'm gonna come in with a hot take and an alternate opinion. Uh I don't think they will I think we're gonna go full strength because we've got two weeks nearly until this game. And then there's a week after it until we play uh, Watford. It's we've gone through that heinous run of fixtures where it feels like there's what well, would feel like there's one every three days. There is a game every three days. Um, I, I, this is going to feel like a full-on vacation for them. Ne- nearly two weeks before the game, and then another week of rest before you play Watford. Then a week. Then a week. Then it was. A, we're in a nicer patch now with fixtures where I don't think you need to completely rush your players. We hopefully should get a couple back. I think the Basuma should wrap up his stint at the AFCON, assuming he's there. So he will feel like a new sign-in for us, even though he may be a little bit tired. Um, so no, I think we go full strength against Spurs because I think if you get a victory there, if you pull that out, God, that'll feel... That'll be something. That'll be nice. Sat in mid-table and can really focus on a cup run after just dicking Spurs would be... <laughs> <laughs> right. It might say, yeah. Uh, I like the sound of that. I, I mean, who doesn't, right? I th- again, one of the one of the first seasons where we can say that and and say actually, yeah, we could do with a cup run here because I think at thirty points after what twenty three games, um, you know, we're we're in a comfortable position. So I think, yeah, you you you've got two weeks off. It's a, it's a very good point. I think we we can afford to put full strength out and go gung ho on this one. I think, and I know I've said it already, um, but I'll say it again now because we're right there. Uh, I think 30 points of safety this year with the congestion some of those lower teams have. Uh, and, you know, Watford have two games in hand. Burnley have like 876. With all of those games in hand and the congestion they're going to have to deal with and the fact that they're only on 12 and 14 and 15 points and 16 points, I think 30 is enough this season. Like, I would go as far as to say we're safe now. Um, obviously, disregarding the next four games where you would expect us to become mathematically definitely 100% safe in almost any Premier League season, right? Like, uh, yeah, I think that 
this is the perfect season to go on a cup run if you want to. So I can understand the logic of going full strength. If there's ever a time to do it, it probably is this year. Yeah. If we, if we don't get 10 points from 15 games, then this is a bigger second half drop off than that Chris Hewitt season before. <laughs> and this is why that's this run of games is so important. This, this, where you face the, the, the three, um, well, yeah, they're the three bottom sides, right? Now, Watford, Burnley, and Newcastle, because Norwich have reared themselves out, even though they've played a few more games. You have to, you have to walk away. If, if you walk away with fewer than six points in that, so you're excusing yourself a complete screw up. But if you walk away with anything less than six points, I think you, you're devastated at that. Um, I mean, maybe win and two draws. You, I think you're still maybe disappointed there. Yeah, you, I am. Yeah, I am. I like, I think for me, like seven points is the minimum I'd be happy with. I think we can beat at least two of them and a draw at one of the others. And we're always, you know, shit happens where like we may well lose one. Like it'll probably be a stupid one. Like a like you said, like Villa, they'll probably dick on us one nil, and it'll be the luckiest jammy. We're at like four point six seven xg. <laughs> Get beat. Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, I say I say those things happen, but statistically they don't this year because we're still only at four losses on the season. Um, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Only Chelsea, Liverpool and Manchester City are better. Uh, and Chelsea are currently playing right now. They're very tired, sad and upset Chelsea. Uh, so if they can't win today. They get beat today by Spurs. They're then level on us at joint third. Um, yeah. yeah. Liverpool ahead of us, so. You just, you just think as well, like ninth position, 12 draws, yeah, sure, but... You could probably count on two hands where we we may have taken the three points there and turned some of those draws into wins. So, you know, with the draw merchants and we're not losing very often, which is great, but you think of the potential there in nicking a couple of those draws into wins and suddenly you're talking about sixth, seventh position and, and you're with the big boys up there. So it's a very impressive what what we're doing, that never say, well, never die attitude and combine that with how solid we've been in defence. Can't really yeah. argue with this season. I, I, I agree, and we also we have we have to take our points where we can get them too, because this little purple patch of games turns into turns into Liverpool, Man City, Norwich, Arsenal, Spurs. Yeah. Uh, so look, if you drop the points there, <laughs> the best you hope for is the old the, the the draw merchant, as you say, for those other for some of those other <laughs> games, because God, you don't feel. Arrested Liverpool getting their players back and having Salah back and City being City and Arsenal are looking a lot better than Champions they were back by then, though, isn't it? What's that? Champions League is back by then, though, for Man City and Liverpool. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, they don't really ever lose their fixture congestion. True. If they continue to go further in, um, yeah, you're right. We're going to go further in. The Zuma watch. Uh, Mali have been drawing against Equatorial Guinea. The Giants uh, on Wednesday. Um, so you would assume that's going to be a win there. I believe this is the first time Guinea have ever got past a group stage. Um, so you would expect Mali to win that on Wednesday, uh, which means we are definitely going to be without Basuma until a minimum of the FA Cup weekend because that's where the quarterfinals are yeah. played, uh, where they'll probably play a much better quality team at that point. Um, and then we'll just see from there. Uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, February the 6th is at the latest. And he'll be back at that point. So we'll see. Uh, just 
just yeah. off ta- just off tangent, you know, whilst we're live on the air, um, the late goals obviously um, impacting Tony Bloom's counterpart club as well because they've just scored in the 101st minute to win 2-1 against Genk. Against Genk? Interesting. So, uh, yeah, well, it was it was Josh's favourite boy that, that scored the equaliser um, from the penalty spot. But yeah, 101 minutes on the clock. I thought he would have been at the AFCON, but I think he didn't go due to injury. Mm. Oh, you were your best bad pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's it, boys. Uh, we think we've wrapped just about everything. Um, I anticipate uh, that this weekend, Com FA Cup weekend, we probably will have a lot more to talk about um, whenever we end up recording that on that Saturday or Sunday, because uh, that's the last. 48-ish hours of the transfer window we're in. Um, if there are, is going to be movement from any of the teams, really, uh, it will be this week. Um, so mm-hmm. we'll probably have a lot more to talk about than just Christian Walton going to the Tractor Boys. <laughs> Should we have a little sportsman's bet? Do you think, who, who, do you think we'll sign anyone? And I'm not, I don't want to take, because it sounds like we're now in a dogfight with the team that we're about to face in the FA Cup for um, Oli Tanner. Um, that's the news that's coming out today that we're fighting over the, the the Lewis prodigy, but outside of that, do you think we actually sign a first team squad player this month? I don't think I'm so. Glad you put that. I'm glad you put that that asterisk on there. I do think we'll sign at least a player before the end of the window, but I don't think we'll sign a first team squad player. No, it, I, it's just a Paraguayan wonder kid. I think. I think that's that's probably yeah. the only other one we'll see. But as for first team, I mean. We've got our captain and Lalana on the bench and pulling out decent results at the moment. I think even if you did bring someone in, would it be a striker? Um, and if it was going to be, you know, we, we always have this age-old conversation of do they even fit? So is, is Potter looking at this team and saying, actually, we don't need anyone right now? And I'd be inclined to agree to an extent. Especially with January prices being as they are. And the fixture congestion being as it is, is already suffering for Newcastle and they're the richest team in the world. I think we're lucky enough to be in a position where I personally genuinely think we're safe already, point-wise. Um, you know, I'm sure the big boys at the top of the club are looking at it and thinking they're not far off regardless, even, you know, if they're being really, really conservative. Why not just wait till the summer? Yeah, I think that we're now in a position where we let deals come to us in some ways, right? Rather than being in a position where like a Newcastle are, where you're like knocking on doors and desperately calling agents up. It's like, who's got a buyout clause? <laughs> like, help us. Um, but yeah, like you're begging Jesse Lingard to, 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 to come along, please, mate. Uh, yeah. I don't think we'll see anyone either, but I'd love to be surprised. That would be a, it would be a nice surprise if we did bring someone in. But yeah, it's invariably just going to be someone for the future, isn't it? Yeah, and and at this point, who cares really? Let's just see. Let's just crack on and see what we can do with the squad we've got. Very different conversation to what we were having on Christmas Day, uh, <laughs> but that's what happens when you have a good run of form in that bottom half of the table. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't take much to drag yourself out of that mire, especially with how shit that bottom group are this year. Um, yeah, really- it's getting it's getting more and more like that, though, isn't it? Especially when you had last year, where the disparity between the bottom three and the other seventeen was so large. Um, I don't know if this is just going to be an ongoing trend where the championship teams just can't 
deal with the, the resources that these other Prem clubs have. Maybe we have got out of that just at the right time four years ago because it, it looks like money-wise, it's just the same three teams going in and out. Everton are in trouble, though. They are. Genuinely. And, they who's take, and who's taken that job as well? They are one of those cursed places right now. Um, they should not be as poor as they are, but they are one of those odd phenomenons that happen every eight to ten years in the Premier League where a team that's better than they are just perform abysmally, and they are shocking. Uh, Robbie Musto on NBC Sports coverage yesterday when asked who Everton should sign as their manager responded Graham Potter. Um, uh, but then did cover his ass a little bit by saying, I don't think he would go at the moment. Um, it's a very, two very different questions, isn't it? Who, who should they sign versus who yeah. would they sign? Yeah. Enjoy Duncan Ferguson for six months before you sign Wayne Rooney off of his Derby stint. Good luck to you. Enjoy <laughs> the new stadium. Everton have got Newcastle, Leeds and Southampton next. They don't take any or enough points from them. Big trouble. They could be they could be dragged into it for sure. Yeah, I think they already are. It would be it would be funny if they were to be honest. It'd be hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Everton, Burnley, Newcastle is the dream. <laughs> I said no, I want Watford down. I'm telling you, I've got. A, <laughs> no, sick of them. <laughs> All right, I think that's about it, boys. Um, let's uh, let's crack on. Um, we will see you all next week. Uh, full week's rest um, for once. Is there any game this week? I don't think there is even any game. Nope, nothing. There might be two weeks. We'll see what yeah, happens. I guess. Yeah, it's the 5th of, 5th of Feb for the FA Cup, so it's a week off. Oh, yeah, of course it is. We'll yeah. see you in a week to talk about Darwin Nunez's number. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some transfer activity. Yeah. All right, boys, have a good one and stay safe out there, everybody. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you.